You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on iTunes. This week, student minister Chris Crow brings us a message from Romans chapter 12 on what it means to live with open eyes, an open heart, and an open home. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Have a wonderful week. Good morning. It's nice to see everyone who wasn't able to make it out to the lake uh, like myself. It's good to see, uh, be here this morning. I'm excited to worship with um, all of you. We're going to start this morning um, off a little different. We're going to start off this morning with a little game. Now, this is not a difficult game. Um, you can stay right where you are. You're not going to be running around. We're not playing any kind of like tackle football or anything like that. Um, all you need to do for this game is know the difference between your right hand and your left hand. So if you're still working on that, you're going to get some practice in. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some pictures up on the screen of some signs, and I want you to tell me um, if you think driving up to a property, if you would be welcomed onto that property by this sign, or if you would um, not be welcomed. So if you're going to feel welcomed seeing this sign, um, you're going to raise your right hand, and if you're not going to be welcomed, uh, you're going to raise your left hand. Welcomed, not welcomed. All right, let's start with the first one. It's real easy. Let's start with the first one. All right, welcome friends. This one should be pretty easy. If you're going to be welcomed onto that property, go ahead and raise your right hand. All right, we're, we're pretty united in that. All right, let's look at this next one. It says, no trespassing. Due to a price increase on ammo, we do not, or do not expect a warning shot. If you were to drive up onto a property and see this sign, would you be welcomed or not? I would not continue down that driveway. <laughs> All right, what's next? All right, welcome friends and family. Who would feel nice and welcomed coming into a home with this sign? All right, let's move on. No trespassing. This is not Disneyland. Tourists are not welcomed. You're going to be welcomed or not. All right, next one. Come in. We are awesome. All right, raise your hand. Now, this one is the one that we might be split on because some people might think, wow, I love to hang out with awesome people. And some people, some people might think, I, these people are probably pretty arrogant and I don't want to go be part of this. So, so that one might have been split, but let's see this next one. No trespassing. If you can read this, you're in range. So if you feel welcome or not welcome, okay, you can go ahead and put your hands down. Thanks for playing that game. Thanks for, uh, for playing along. There's no prizes. I apologize. Um, you guys just all got to practice your lefts and rights. So some of these were funny, uh, but if you ever ran into that sign, um, you, some of these signs, the, the no trespassing signs, the um, you're in range signs, you probably wouldn't feel very welcome or safe for that matter um, on that property. Now, we're going to get back to this. I just wanted to get us started with the game. We're going to get back to this idea, but uh, as we get started this morning, would you guys please um, pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this morning, for the opportunity to worship you, for the opportunity to come together as a body of believers. And if we have nothing else in common amongst us, um, but we have you in common, that is enough, um, and that is all we need, Lord. Uh, I pray that you um, work through me and uh, as, as I share the word, and Help us to take away um, what you would have for us uh, this morning from the scriptures. Amen. All right, uh, this morning I'm going to read. I'm going to start by reading out of the book of, of Romans, and I'm going to be in the 12th chapter, and I'm going to start in verse 9, but we're going to focus today on verse 13, but I want to I start in verse 9, so if you guys will read along with me. Um, Romans 12, starting in verse 9, it says this, Let, or, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful, 
in zeal, but be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And then verse 13, the one we're going to focus on, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Some translations say practice hospitality. Contribute to the needs of the saints and practice hospitality. Now at this point, at this point in the book of Romans, Paul is discussing in detail, like from before this in Romans, Paul is discussing in detail the righteousness of God. Uh, the righteousness of God is that is revealed in the gospel. He's working to answer questions like what is righteousness, what is grace, what saves us. Um, and then he goes on to discuss righteousness in God, uh, of God in, in his dealings with um, the, the, nation of Israel, the nation of Israel and all of humankind. And he works to, to show his power and grace, uh, the power and grace of God, um, by reminding everyone essentially of the ways that the nation of Israel has failed, and yet continually God's grace prevails, and how his grace is for all. Um, and then we get to chapter 12, and Paul starts to show how that righteousness of God should be applied to the life of a believer. So essentially he's saying in chapters 1 through 11, this is the righteousness of God. And then he gets to verse 12 through 16, or chapters 12 through 16, and he, answers, he works to answer this question. What do we do with this information? What do we as Christians, how do we apply this knowledge um, to our lives? In this passage, um, we, we read, uh, Paul is laying out what, this, this passage that we just read, Paul is laying out what makes a, a true believer. Uh, he, he says to hate evil, um, to, to love what is good. He says to be excited about serving the Lord, to be patient when hard times arrive, to pray um, consistently. And then we get to verse 13, and he says, contribute to the needs of the saints and practice hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. And I think this verse holds so much um, power and conviction. Uh, and I think there are three things um, that I believe this verse calls us to have as Christians. And those three things are to have open eyes, to have uh, open hearts, and to have open homes. Open eyes, open hearts, and open homes. Now, I know that a lot of people really like alliterations, and I tried. I tried. If you look at the loop, um, it, it says open head, open heart, open homes. And I was like, man, that'll be really cool. Um, but I just couldn't get that to work, so I changed it. Um, we're going to go with open eyes, open hearts, open homes. Sorry for all of you that love alliterations, but I think these words kind of get um, really the point across of what this passage is telling us. So we're going to start with the idea of having open eyes, um, because I believe that the other two kind of flow out of this, uh, of an understanding of this. Um, you see, in order for us to fully grasp the, the concepts of open hearts and open homes, I think we have to understand what it means to have open eyes. Um, there is an, an epidemic that is sweeping across our country, uh, you know, Christians, um, especially in Western society, across our churches, and this isn't pinpointed at any person or even any group of people, it's just it's happening all over the world um, within Christianity. And it is... It stems from this dichotomy, this split of lifestyle between our Christian lives and our worldly lives. Because essentially Christians all over the world are living two different lives. Um, we see this 
in the man who claims on Sunday morning that, that he is a follower of Christ when he's surrounded by the church, but when he goes to work the next day, there is seemingly no difference between him and Joe Heathen. Um, it, we see this um, in the couple who wants to raise their children in the church, um, but they neglect to speak the name of Christ in their own homes. Uh, we see this in, in the student who attends every youth function, um, but um, he is known in, in the schools. He's considered to be the biggest gossip, the biggest foul mouth, um, the biggest bully. And, and we wonder why our youth go to college and are leaving the church at an alarming rate. Um, I would argue that a lot of that has to do with the, the dual lives that are being lived around them every day. Because we, we've gotten to this point where um, we take everything we do on a Sunday morning, the Christian things we do, the prayer, the communion, the, the community, and we departmentalize them to Sunday morning. And then once we leave the church, we start to live the rest of our life the way we want. We don't worry about um, scripture. We don't worry about God. We don't worry about um, prayer. We, we live the way we want. Uh, and then when the week comes around again and we get to Sunday, um, that's our time to shine in the eyes of, of the Lord. And, and we're living these these two separate lives. And again, I'm not saying this about specific people and, and not necessarily about this church, but there are probably some people in this room who might have gotten a little knot in their stomachs as I said that um, because you felt like I was specifically talking to you. And, and, and this is just something that's happening in, in our country and in our churches and in our world. We have taken the concept of ch- separation of church and state, which is, was originally intended to be a way of keeping um, politics out of the, uh, of the church, and we've, we've applied it to every aspect of our life where we don't want to offend anybody with our religion, so once we leave the church, we put it away, and we, um, you know, we, we set God over here, and we're a different person at church. We've turned it into a separation of church life and what we would call real life. The mark of a true believer is a consistent life spent worshiping God. Consistency across the board. Not just on Sunday morning, not just on Wednesday night. Um, consistency in worship. We must open our eyes to this epidemic because it's not until we bridge this gap between these two worldviews, between these two lifestyles, um, that we're going to be able to more fully obey the commands that we see in Scripture. The commands that we see in verses like Romans twelve thirteen. So now that we've kind of talked about the idea of opening our eyes, we have opened our eyes to this epidemic. We have um, decided that we are going, we're going to work to not separate these different aspects of our life but live a consistent life in worship um, to God. We, we can now move on to the idea of having an open heart, having open hearts. Um, this passage in Romans twelve thirteen has to do with the way believers interact with other believers. Paul is writing here, Um, about how we interact with each other. Now, these same commands are applied um, in other passages of Scripture, um, these same principles as a means of evangelism to those who are outside of the church, to non-believers. But right here, Paul is addressing our relationships with each other as Christians, as the family of God. And and I think this makes sense, because how can we expect um, to apply these principles when evangelizing to people outside the church when we can't apply them to ourselves when it comes to those that we are around every day, to those that we love in the church, that our brothers and sisters. How can we expect to apply these principles um, to people who don't know God when, when we can't even apply them to um, our close uh, family and friends? Romans twelve thirteen starts off with contributing to the needs of the saints. 
contributing to the needs of the saints. In some places in Scripture, saints is referring to those that have, uh, of old, the old generation who have, who have already passed away, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. Here, Paul is talking about those who are Christians who are still living alongside us, who are still living alongside um, the Christians that he was writing to. And the word that is uh, used in the Greek that is translated contributing comes from the word koinonia, which is translated fellowship or communion or joint participation. So Paul is saying that we should work to treat the needs of fellow Christians as if we were coming to the rescue of our own family. Because that's what we are as the body of Christ. We are family. And he's calling us to work effortlessly to make sure that we are taking care of each other. A great example of this comes from the book of Acts. As a church founded in the Restoration Movement, um, we, we take very seriously the idea of going back to Scripture and, uh, and looking at the early church as a good example of, of church life. And so Acts 2, 42-47 is a huge passage um, for us, and it says this, and they devoted themselves. This is the early church. This is the first church. This is uh, an example of, of what they, they did. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as uh, any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and gracious hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. And I love this passage because it's a picture of a church that is exploding. It's a picture of a church that is growing and that has passion and community and and togetherness. And it's a church that we can look to as an example to strive towards. And, And we see what they did, and then we get to see the result. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were growing. They were growing physically as a church. They were growing spiritually um, in, in the depth of knowledge, and they were growing as a community together. And it's just such a beautiful picture of the idea of contributing to the needs of the saints in the way the first church viewed their possessions. Um, right as the church was starting, starting, the Christians in Jerusalem were so close that every aspect of their life was intertwined. It says that they had all things in common, and specifically, they had the Lord in common. They had this great passion and, and love for God. And that's what they had in common, and that was everything to them. That was the, the greatest joining factor. And when they saw a need among the group, they worked passionately and quickly to relieve that need. They found um, the need amongst them, and they, worked, uh, they gave sacrificially of themselves and cared for their brothers and their sisters. They did not want to see anybody in their family, in the church, in need. Now, I'm not saying that we should all go out and sell everything we own and put it in a giant pile and then just distribute it out amongst everyone. I don't think that's what it's calling for here in Scripture. But imagine with me what would happen if Christians stopped looking at their possessions as something to cling tightly to and started to see them as a resource for serving the Lord, for serving others, for contributing to the needs of the saints. 
But Chris, I work hard for what I have. I, I, uh, why should I have to give it away? I put a lot of hard hours and labor into the stuff that I have. Imagine the first church. Imagine those uh, in the early church who were out in their fields every day, laboring and toiling for everything they own, every little bit of food that they had, um, they worked very hard for. But they opened their hearts um, to the needs around them, and they saw what they had, um, they, they saw serving others as a higher calling um, than padding their bank accounts, than, than, than building um, their, their treasure here on earth. They saw an opportunity to serve others with what they had. Be good stewards of the gifts of God. You see, as a church, we have a lot of missions organizations that we give to, and I am very um, honored to work in a church that is so gracious um, in their giving. Uh, and so we have these missions organizations um, from Glendale to E-Town to Kentucky, all the way through the world where we support these people. And I encourage you to look into those things and find a way where you, you might be able to help or find a local organization that's doing great work in our community and, and, and see what you can do. It doesn't have to be money. It could be time. It could be resources. Uh, but see how you can help or, or find that family. Maybe there's families here in this church that are in need, that are suffering, that are dealing with, um, with, with things in their life. Seek those people out and, and see what way you can help fellow Christians contribute to the needs of the saints. The early church's example of community is second to none. They opened their hearts to the needs around them, and they worked hard to see um, that there was no brother or sister amongst them that was struggling because they had what, what, what others needed and were willing to help. Open your hearts to the needs of the saints. And that brings us to the final point, which is opening homes. And I, I love this one. Um, the final two words of Romans 12, 13, um, they're actually, it's, it's part of contributing to the needs of the saints. They go hand in hand because our homes are the things that we have. It's, it's part of those resources that we have available to us. Uh, but I want to specifically unwrap what it looks like to open our homes. And to do that, uh, to get a better understanding, we need to figure out the context of where this command is coming from. You see, Christians in this day, when Paul was writing this, um, they didn't have cars. They, didn't, they did all of their traveling on foot or, or by animal. And so traveling was a much slower occurrence. And they had to uh, oftentimes travel through many cities that they didn't know. And a lot of these cities were not welcoming to Christians. It would have been as if um, you had walked into the city and a lot of these signs, these no trespassing signs would have been up. You know, Christians are not welcome here. Um, this is not a place for you. It would have been an offensive place for Christians. It would have been very aggressive towards Christians. Um, and, and they were looking for places to stay because they couldn't just keep traveling. They had to rest. They had to stop and, and figure out um, the rest of their travels. And, and it would have wouldn't have been a very uh, safe environment for Christians. And here, Paul is literally implying that Christians should open their homes um, to these strangers, these, pass, these Christians who are passing through and looking for refuge, looking for a place to stay. Um, and and the, we're at somewhere where they wouldn't have to pay unnecessary amounts of money if, if, this could, if a place to stay could be provided for them by fellow Christians. And so we see this picture of Christians welcoming strangers, other Christians, into their homes. Um, now, based on the Greek translation of the words uh, practice hospitality, there's this idea of aggressively seeking to be hospitable um, with a love for strangers. 
Uh, oftentimes believer would, believers would open their homes as a place to stay, to sleep, to eat, um, even to worship together with those who are passing through, giving them a safe place to pray and, st- and, and worship God. And they would seek out people to stay with them, knowing that strangers would not often present themselves at the door. So the Christian goes out and eagerly looks for those with whom he can show hospitality eagerly seeking to show hospitality. And what I love about this passage and this idea is that they were seeking opportunities to surround, um, to be surrounded by other believers outside of the temple. They were living life together. They didn't see their faith as something to be um, departmentalized to the temple. It was a part of every day for them. In the book of Acts, they were having communion in each other's homes. They were gathering together, and any time they gathered together, they had communion, and they would worship, and they would study the scriptures on a daily basis with other believers, Um, and they were uh, inviting people in, strangers, people they didn't necessarily know, but they had one thing in common with them, and that was a love for Christ Jesus. In our modern lifestyle, we often don't even want to um, uh, uh, spark up a conversation with someone from church if we're not within the church building. You know, we see each other at the gas station or the grocery store or, or you know, the, the high school football game, and, and we, uh, we kind of think, oh, well, I'm in life mode right now. I'm not in church mode, so I'm going to avoid those people. I'm going to keep those two lifestyles separated, and we kind of, um, again, we separate um, those two things. We can't even um, often spark up uh, that, that conversation. And it's, a, it's as if we put up a sign on our homes that says, um, this is my personal space. If you want to see me, you'll have to wait till Sunday before or after the service. Because that's our Christian community time. Sunday morning, Wednesday night. How cool would it be if we came together on a Sunday morning and it was as if we had never left because we had been fellowshipping with other believers throughout the week? We had been in each other's homes. We had been in each other's lives. We were praying together. We were having communion together. We were worshiping together. And when we came back on Sunday morning, it was another opportunity to be together, not the only opportunity to be together. Now, the idea of being hospitable, of, of um, opening our homes, of welcoming strangers is important. It's an important command in Scripture, and we know this because when you look at the books of First, First and Second Timothy and Titus, when they're talking about the qualifications for an elder, the people who are supposed to be the shepherds, the examples within the church, hospitality is right there in the middle of it. It says the elder should be hospitable, should show hospitality. But it's not a command given just to elders. It's a command given to all. But we know it's so important because it's this idea of of community, of fostering outside of just once a week this, this community of believers that are together and that are worshiping. I would encourage you to find ways to open your homes to other believers as a way of encouraging them and building them up. Have a meal. Have communion. Study scripture. Worship God. Seek Aggressively seek ways to welcome other Christians. You know, Tim talked about how we live in a, a world where we are weary, where we are tired, where we, we deal with suffering and pain daily, where we are constantly trying to uh, achieve and, and, and find that next thing that's going to make us happy. We are a weary people, and we need to be built up and encouraged, and this is a great way to do that by contributing to the needs of the saints, by showing hospitality, we are building up our community and strengthening um, what we have. 
This is one of those passages that if we are going to follow it, it's going to take us out of our comfort zone, but it is worth it. It is worth it because we see the example in Scripture, in the book of Acts, and we see the result of what happens when this takes place. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The kingdom of God grew so much because people were contributing to the needs of the saints because they were practicing hospitality. In Ephesians 4, we're told that we have been equipped with what we need so that we can build up the body of Christ. We have, we have possessions, we have things, we have skills, we have abilities that we can use um, to contribute. Yes, it is important that we share the gospel with non-believers. It's one of the greatest commands in Scripture. It is what we are called to do, but um, Paul, in this instance, is talking about how we can build each other up as Christians. We must work to care for each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up, other believers, other followers, even strangers. My prayer for all of us is that um, uh, this morning, my prayer for all of us this morning is that we would open our eyes um, to stop living this separated lifestyle and start living a consistent lifestyle in the name of the Lord, and through that we'll flow an open heart um, to give to those who are in need to help those who are suffering with what uh, we have, and then to open our homes as a place of worship, as a place to encourage, as a place for communion, as a place where Christians can come together outside of Sunday morning, and our full weeks will be saturated with Jesus, with community, with other believers. Let's work to open our eyes, to open our hearts, and to open our homes. Would you guys pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for the blessings you bestow upon us, the things that we have, the opportunities that we have. I pray that you would help us to see those as an opportunity to serve you and to serve others as you've commanded in Scripture. Lord, let us have open eyes and open hearts and open homes that we can build up the body of Christ and advance your kingdom. Lord, thank you for everything you are and for your sacrifice for us that we have the opportunity of eternal life, Lord eternal life spent worshiping you. It's your son's name that we pray. Amen.